Hello, and welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thank you for listening this Monday, February 1st, 2021. I wanted to address a couple questions before we get into the podcast today. Am I Rob Chrisman? Yes and no. I think that should clear some things up. Uh, So on to uh, today's podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Stratmore Group. Stratmore Group is a leading mortgage industry advisory firm that provides a range of advisory services and programs designed to counsel lender CEOs and senior executives. Stratmore serves more than 250 companies annually, providing solutions that increase growth and improve profitability in sales, marketing, technology, operations, and mergers and acquisitions. The company leverages comprehensive proprietary data and key insights gained through extensive experience in the mortgage industry. Stratmore is well known for its collaboration with the Mortgage Bankers Association in the PGR, MBA, and Stratmore Peer Group Roundtables program. Find out more about Stratmore on its website at www.stratmoregroup.com. Today we have our first ever guest of the podcast, and a very special guest at that. Rob Chrisman, the writer, the editor, the founder of the Chrisman Commentary. So thank you for for taking time from feeding Myrtle and coming on and joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Let's let's go through some uh, questions with you. How the written commentary started in what, 2007 or so? And what was the purpose of that? It actually started before that because the... <clears throat> on, a, on a trade desk, we were expected to tell our accounts what was going on with the market. And so we would say that out loud. And then when email was invented, it became easier to send out a paragraph about what the market was doing and why. Uh, and then different accounts would want different written summaries about what was going on in the marketplace. So in 2008 uh, was when I, quote, retired from the market. Or retired from my job and <clears throat> did retire but I kept sending the commentary out and it grew from there and the main purpose of the commentary was to educate people to help them uh, receive an unbiased unopinionated source of news although opinions creep into it once in a while but a lot of the information I found that vendors or investors would provide were slanted toward that vendor or toward that investor. So what I put out was what I thought more objective, and I think people agree with that. So the main purpose is to help educate people and help them help their clients, whether they're vendors or lenders, and just give them a source of facts uh, about what's going on in the market and what's going on in the industry. So we have now launched this podcast. Well, it was it was live last week, but uh, now the first week of February, we are up and uh, thankful to be sponsored by Stratmore. What did you think a podcast would, would do or accomplish? I think that the podcast would help people who may not have time to sit at their laptop or hold their phone and actually read the commentary. Uh, especially with a lot of people working from home, they tend to get exercise. They'll be out for a run. They'll be rowing. They'll be on some kind of treadmill. 
And so reading may not be the best way to go about it. And so I didn't want to exclude them from getting some of the information that is contained in the commentary, especially with regard to why rates are doing what they're doing. And so uh, it took a few suggestions under consideration and created the podcast to give those people a chance to listen rather than read uh, and, you know, hopefully help them once again, help their clients. So it's, it's a good, it's a good thing. I don't mean for it to replace the commentary per se, because I think the written word is, uh, is very good and very powerful and, and, um, very thorough, but I think the podcast will capture a certain number of people who may not always have a chance to, to read it, but maybe on a rowing machine for, you know, 20 minutes or so and, and can pick up some information while they do that. Any comments on why I am hosting this and not you for our listeners out there? Well, because you have a, a different outlook, you have a different perspective, you have a different way of presenting things, and different things are important for somebody who's in their late 20s versus somebody who's in their early 60s. And a lot of the people that you meet and talk to and come across may be in the formulative years of home ownership. They may be thinking about a home and they may be talking to you about them. And so you may have information that I don't with regard to the perspective of somebody in their late twenties or early thirties. And that's a market that many lenders want to capture because many first time home buyers come out of that environment. And so for you to have your finger on the pulse of what your friends and associates are doing in terms of ownership, I think is an important perspective to lend to the people listening to this podcast. Let's hope so. Mortgage work-related travel has come to a halt for many. In the past, you were on the road a lot. Do you miss it? So I miss the event and talking to the people once I travel to the event. I, I agree. I mortgage mortgage banking events are, are quite the spectacle that one has to be there to fully experience. There you go. But I don't miss the actual travel. I don't miss uh, getting to the airport an hour or two early. I don't miss uh, boarding the plane. I don't miss uh, sitting on the plane, although that is a good time to get caught up on emails and so forth and writing my commentary. But I don't miss necessarily getting in the Uber and, and going to the embassy suites or Best Western or wherever the event is. Um, but I do miss talking to the people. I do miss being in a room with people who I've known for many years and, and be able to wave to them and go chat and, and, and get an informal view of kind of what's going on in the marketplace. Uh, but I don't miss the actual travel itself. You think Myrtle likes having you at home or she would prefer you on the road? Myrtle couldn't care less. <laughs> uh, Myrtle actually likes, uh, likes having me around. She, she gets plenty of scratches under her chin and on her back. Uh, and uh, her, her litter box cleaned out regularly and life with cats. Life with cats. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, I think we will have you in as a future guest, uh, whether that is maybe doing a special Saturday commentary or interviewing someone or taking over for me when my travels take me on the road. Uh, so 
good news. He will be back soon. Thank you for joining us, Rob Christman. You're welcome. Let's talk about servicing, MSRs, and the economic conditions that impact them. Although tens of thousands of loan officers, most lenders with full pipelines, and millions of borrowers are benefiting from the continued refinances, there are losers. Any investors hoping to keep loans or securities on their books for an extended period of time, and companies servicing those loans that are refinancing. Does your company have enough money saved up to handle servicing issues if they arise? like handling scheduled, scheduled payment problems with Ginny Maypools. Last week, newly appointed CFPB Acting Director Dave Leho issued a statement he sent to staff announcing his immediate priorities for the Bureau and stated he was concerned about recent findings, including issues with mortgage servicing. Yes, servicing borrowers have always been a hot touch point for the CFPB. To read the links, go to robchrisman.com. In Citus AMC's latest MSR monthly snapshot, they discussed MSR pricing issues such as prepay speeds, recapture within MSR fair value, new production pricing versus bulk pricing versus fair value pricing, shifting new and legacy book prepay speeds, the new 50 basis point LLPA impacting refinance borrowers, and recapture speeds across different servicers. They also discussed credit issues such as the additional cost to service loans and forbearance, delinquency status, missing revenue from float on principal and interest taxes and insurance payments, the recent decrease in forbearance improvement, and high number of Ginny May borrowers in a forbearance plan. Updates to consider include the extension of the GSE foreclosure moratorium and FHA foreclosure moratorium, loan limits increasing for 2021, the increased maximum claim amount for HECMs, low rates and low supply continue to put upward pressure on home prices, and Ginny May's issuance of a 60-day delay on the LIBOR phase-out for HECMs. On the current market conditions, Citus AMC said the flow co-issue market continues to improve and remains the spine of the bulk market. Buyers are seeing recapture opportunities outweighing any credit risk concerns. The tightening of market yields as MSRs continue to offer excess return versus other asset classes and a mortgage basis reverting to the mean, uh, which would offset a large portion of primary secondary spread compression risk. Servicers and investors holding mortgage-backed securities are interested in economic conditions. The MBA's Dr. Mike Frattentoni recently presented his latest economic and mortgage market thoughts. Monthly payroll growth slowed at year-end, and the overall economy moderated, as evidenced by an unemployment rate that appears on the rise again. With the Fed funds rate expected to be at zero through 2022, the lending environment should remain favorable, evidenced by strong, sustained refinance volumes. Purchase applications also show strong continued growth, with strong home sales despite tight inventory. For first-time homebuyers, some welcome news in that home price appreciation is expected to decelerate. After $3.6 trillion of originations in 2020, the MBA expects $2.75 trillion in 2021, including $1.56 trillion purchase originations. And with independent mortgage bank net production profits surpassing 200 basis points late last year, question is now whether those production spreads will hold, seeing as mortgage treasury spreads have narrowed. The mortgage market is still dealing with elevated delinquencies after the initial spike in Q2 2020, and Jannie Mae continues to have a higher percentage of servicing portfolio volume and forbearance than Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Last week's economic data was mostly within market expectations and did little to change the narrative that recovery is dependent on the vaccine rollout and the pandemic. 
Q4 GDP expanded at a 4% annualized pace, as most spending components posted quarterly gains. Personal spending, however, declined in December as spending on durable goods declined. While that was to be expected, it has materialized a little earlier than some economists had predicted and has led to lower expectations for spending in Q1, along with uncertainty around new COVID variants. Fortunately, the recent surge in COVID case counts has begun to subside and the economy should soon begin to see the effects of the roughly $900 billion relief package passed at the end of the year. The housing market closed out 2020 with new home sales rising in December, and in fact 2020 was the best year for new home sales since 2006. Looking at Friday in particular, treasuries and mortgage-backed securities did not do well as the markets received a spate of economic data. The Q4 employment cost index increased more than expected, though moderated from a year ago. The final January reading for the University of Michigan Index of Consumer Sentiment just missed expectations, holding relatively steady in January despite rising coronavirus cases and a deterioration in the labor market. Pending home sales decreased 0.3% in December, not as bad as feared, while the Chicago Purchasing Managers Index improved to beyond consensus in January. For the week, the desk of the New York Fed purchased $36 billion of MBS, nearly all of the $39 billion maximum, reminding us that the Fed's demand is supporting low rates and higher home prices. This new month's economic calendar kicks off with a couple minor numbers, manufacturing PMIs from both market and ISM, along with construction spending for December. After last week's FOMC events, two Fed presidents are scheduled to speak today, Atlanta's Bostick and Boston's Rosengren. Today's NY Fed Desk operations are the first on the new MBS Fed trade schedule and total up to 5.2 billion conventional 1.5% and 2%. We begin the day with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged and the 10-year yielding 1.08% after closing last week at 1.09%. A week before the Super Bowl, there was an ad in the local newspaper which said, Local man offers marriage to any woman who has tickets to the Super Bowl. Those interested must send in photo of the tickets. Market data is provided in partnership with MBS Live. The newsletter and this podcast are designed for sophisticated mortgage professionals only. There are no paid endorsements by Chrisman LLC. Thanks again to our sponsor, Stratmore Group, the trusted mortgage advisory with advisors who guide lenders to make smart strategic decisions, solve complex challenges, improve the borrower experience, increase profitability, and accelerate growth. Be sure to check out the Stratmore website at www.stratmoregroup.com. If you're interested, visit the Chrisman blog at the Stratmore Group website. The current blog is Lenders and Vendors Going Public, Pros and Cons. For archived commentaries or to subscribe, go to robchrisman.com. To listen or download to past episodes of this podcast, search Daily Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.